Welcome to BSD Talk number 129. It's Tuesday, September 18, 2007. All I have for you today is an interview, so here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking once again with Drew Levine. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. And the main reason I wanted to talk to you today is about the BSD certification process. So how was that process going? Well, we've been very busy this year, and we have quite a few things on the go. So I guess the, the first thing I'll talk about is the beta, because the exam started in the beta process uh, this past May. And so far, we've had 92 people from the community take the beta and in several locations. So our first location was at BSD CAN in Ottawa, Canada. A week afterwards, we did a beta at Linux Tag in Berlin, Germany. And we've had several other locations, so I went down to Mohawk College in Hamilton, which is outside of Toronto in Canada. We've had three locations in Brazil, so Bela Horizonte, uh, Sao Paulo in Brasilia. Uh, we also had a location in New York City in the U.S., and we had another one in Augsburg, Germany. So far, 92 people have taken the beta, and we've had a very good mix of people that are interested in taking the exam, so are at the actual level that the exam caters to, which is a, a junior system administrator. But we've also had people with more experience in system administration, as well as those who either manage system administrators or teach uh, system administration at the post-secondary level. And because we've had such a good mix, we've gotten back uh, very good feedback on the exam itself. And that's one of the things that we wanted to get out of the beta. So in the questions, are the questions themselves clear so that you know what the question is actually asking you? Is the question based on reality? Is it something that you would actually expect a system administrator to be able to understand to perform their job as a system administrator? And also, is the question fair and based on the objectives, as you could find on the website? Is there a particular number of people that you're waiting for before you move out of the beta? Uh, The psychometrician wants to get 100 because that gives her enough data for her to do her analysis so she can decide which questions belong on the exam itself. So we're hoping uh, we've had another offer for New York City uh, to get the remaining eight or we may uh, do another one in Brazil as well. So we've had offers for both of those. Uh, We're expecting that we should have everything to the psychometrician by the end of this month, meaning she should have the results back for those who've taken the beta exam by the end of October. And before I forget to mention it, I want to thank everybody who did participate in the beta because your feedback is is really helping us to make sure that the questions are are good questions we put on the exam. And at this point, is the beta just a test of the questions and not a test of the test-taking software? 
Exactly. So one of the things that was part of the beta participation was the understanding that if you take the beta, you won't become certified. You'll get a discount if you decide to take the real exam because one of the things we need to determine is are these the best questions to be asking on the exam because the whole point of a certification is to actually rate a person's competence and we want to make sure that we're doing a fair rating of that. And how far along is the test-taking software? Uh, test-taking software, that's been an interesting process. Uh, when we started with the group, we knew that at some point we'd have to deliver an exam. And we knew that we didn't just want to have it online. It's always been important to us that the test is available anywhere in the world, which online will achieve. But in addition to that, it needs to be in a secure and proctored environment. And in order to do that, there aren't any solutions that don't cost a lot of money. So we've always been looking for alternatives. I started talking about this about two years ago and talking to other organizations, testing bodies, how they were doing it. And as little as a year ago, it was very hard to get traction, either to work with another organization or to find equivalents that wouldn't cost as much money. One of the reasons why we're concerned about cost is we want to make sure the exam itself is affordable anywhere in the world. And so we want to reduce our costs as much as possible. So after about a year or so of talking about it and not getting any traction and, and not really any interest from other bodies, we got to the point where we said, well, we're just going to, have to do this ourselves. So we got together with some developers that were interested, uh, started uh, working toward the software requirements document, and we got that far, and then all of a sudden everybody started coming out of the woodwork and says, oh, we started on, on an application, we want you to work with us. So now we've gone from sort of a famine to a feast, and we're at the point now where there are two or three different possibilities open to us. And what we'll be doing within the next few weeks is taking a closer look at the existing possibilities, seeing if they meet our needs, and either work with the group to help them with development as well, or we may just take some existing stuff and cater it to our own needs. Do you have a sense of the time frame? for when the test will be available? Yep. The psychometrician, uh, she should be done her analysis towards the end of October. The first Saturday in November, all the subject matter experts for the BSDA are getting together. We're going to do a final review of the questions, and we're going to incorporate the feedback that we got from the beta process, and there will be some changes to our uh, question database. The psychometrician will then work with that to decide which questions go on the exam. So we're hoping to launch by the end of this year. Now, the testing software definitely won't be ready by then. So our plan right now is to continue with offering paper-based exams in proctored environments. And it will most likely be at conferences. That's probably what we'll concentrate on next year. So make the exam available at all the BSD conferences. We've had very good luck working with organizers of Linux conferences, even for the beta. So we'll approach them as well to see if there's space available to offer the exam. And we'll also talk 
to existing uh, training centers and educational institutions. And if we can set up a trusted proctor at their site, we can also offer the exam there. So we'll probably have limited availability the first year. And as soon as the testing software, once we're happy with that, and we've worked out any kinks in that, then it will be available everywhere. And if people are interested in becoming a testing organization, how would they start that process? At this point, uh, they should talk to us. So either join the mailing list, which is on the website, or they can use the uh, contact form on the website just to drop us an email, let us know their interest. We won't have the actual NDAs in that ready till the exam uh, is ready to be launched. But if we know who has interest, we can certainly talk with them ahead of time and see how often they'd be interested in, in providing a proctored environment and how many people in their area uh, they think they would be interested in uh, using that environment. And you actually had plans, from what I remember, for more than one level or one type of test. Is that yes. still the plan? Yeah, it's still the plan. So the BSDA um, being the first exam is the one that we had to work out the kinks in all of our processes, and that is moving along. And once the BSDA is out there, we can start on the next level, which is the professional or the BSDP, and we expect this one to be much easier because we already know the first step in the process is to do a survey to, to see what objectives are important to people. From there, we work out exam objectives with the psychometrician, and then it goes to the subject matter uh, experts to actually write the, the test questions itself. Then what will be different in the second exam is this one is the audience is more advanced, and we're hoping to provide a testing solution which is more interactive. So rather than being a multiple choice-based question, maybe have some sort of lab environment where they have to actually complete tasks. Has there been a lot of requests for offering the test in other languages? Right now, the biggest interest uh, is probably a toss-up between Brazil and Germany. And in Brazil, people prefer to use Brazilian Portuguese. And in Germany, uh, most people prefer English, so it'll probably uh, remain in English for that audience. Uh, same idea with Poland. Uh, Poland has a lot of interest, but again, they're used to thinking in computer technical English, so they're happy to do the exam in English. So certainly until after the testing engine is out, the English will only, or English will be the uh, language for the exam, but uh, we can have, um, I expect Brazilian Portuguese will probably be the first translation. Besides the BSD certification process, are there any other new projects that you're involved with? Yeah, I actually uh, got a new day job this year, and I was hired by a local university, actually under provincial funding uh, here in Canada, and it was an interesting idea and something that's keeping me really busy. So we've created a new resource known as the OSBR or the Open Source Business Resource. And you can find out about that at www.osbr.ca. And the main thing that we're doing now is a monthly publication. 
and we're looking at it from the point of view of much has been said about open source in the last decade, and a lot of it tends to concentrate either on just the code and the development itself through various projects, or the arguments about the various styles of licensing and that. But the approach that we want to take is open source is now moving away from just being project-centric. It's now getting more into the mainstream, so it's becoming more ubiquitous. And at the same time, it's also becoming an important component within business itself. So there's a lot of businesses that are either using open source in their applications or even using open source as part of their main business model. And there's a lot of issues uh, as open source moves into the enterprise that managers need to be aware of. So it's not just the technical people. So we're trying to create a resource of quality information that you can send your manager to or that if you're interested in commercializing some of the ideas that open source brings to the table, where do I get more information on that? So this website is more than just an operating system website. It's about all kinds of applications, even for Windows? Yeah, yeah everything. So right now uh, we have a monthly publication, and it's something that I create each month on my FreeBSD system. Uh, I use Scribus to do the format. And we create a PDF. And one of the things that's important to us is myself as a writer and as somebody that reads a lot about technology, I'm often disappointed that when I go and read uh, an article, the article itself wasn't written by somebody that has an in-depth understanding of what they're talking about. So, so they may be talking about news or, or some sort of hot topic that doesn't really get at the heart of the issues. So something that's been important to us is let's talk to the people that are actually in the trenches and that have a deep understanding of these are the issues that you need to know about, get them to talk about the various issues and how they themselves have overcome things, uh, the challenges they had to face, uh, what benefits uh, they received. Um, in overcoming those challenges, and let's bring that type of information to the table. So we want something very useful, very practical that people can take out of it. The other thing that we have, we want it to be more than just a magazine. We actually want it to be a resource. So we're starting small, so we have the monthly publication. Uh, it's a freely downloadable PDF. You can read it online in HTML, but we're also have plans for the future to make the site itself more interactive. So to have, uh, we're throwing about a bunch of ideas. Do we have forums? Do we have wikis? How do we actually get people that are interested in this area to talk to each other, to bring things to the table, to learn things from each other? Yeah, I can imagine a lot of businesses, both large and small, you know, hear a lot about open source, but actually implementing it I don't think there's a lot of best practices or white papers out there that say, you know, if you buy 10 computers and you want to put free and open source software on them, how can you build your business? Exactly. And a lot of the stuff that's out there is designed for the technical person, and it's not just technical people that need to know about open source anymore. And a lot of it is hype. It has very little to do with reality. And when you're looking at it from the business point of view, you want to know 
what's really going to happen if I do this. Is it sponsored only by the provincial government, or do you also have any vendor sponsors or private donations? Uh, at the moment, it's sponsored by the provincial government. We're still building our distribution base, and this week we'll be publishing our third edition. So we're still building up content. But a year or so from now, when we've established ourselves, we have excellent content you can refer people to. We want to get ourselves away from our funding and work more towards an actual business model where we can make money with this. And do you primarily you know, speak with people who have solved some of these problems, or do you also work towards making specific recommendations? Definitely both. And our audience is business people, managers, and also a mix of academia. And one of the things, because I was hired by a university to do this, one of the things is you get people uh, that do theses on open source, say on business models, uh, different ways of doing things, and often that stuff never makes it out into the mainstream. And if you've ever read a theses before, you would understand why, because it's 200 pages of very dry content. But you can still take the wisdom from that and put it into, say, a best practices or a, uh, a taxonomy that somebody can work from. And right now I'm not aware of any other publication that's doing something like that. So that's the one side. The other side is we have some very brilliant people in corporations, in open source foundations that have a lot to say about uh, here's the economic realities, here are things that you can do. So, for example, in our uh, first edition, uh, we had uh, the CTO at Nortel, which is a large uh, technological firm up here in Canada, talk about the taxonomy of if I'm a business, how do I know where I am when it comes to open source? So he actually has come up with something known as the open source maturity model where companies can start at stage zero and describe what's happening there and work their way through various stages until they work up to stage five. And what I've found myself is even reading other stuff, they're typically concentrating at a very low level. So either company as an end user is using some applications or maybe a company takes uh, some open source code, does some development, maybe gives back some of that code to the community. And that's very low in the maturity model. We actually have companies that have gone way beyond that, and they're starting to use open source for strategic purposes as part of their actual business plan moving ahead. And most people don't talk about that, and that's the sort of thing that we're trying to get into our content. I can imagine, at least in the open source world, there's almost a curse of choice. And so obviously every business is different and every situation is different, but I can imagine it would be pretty difficult when businesses quite often ask, you know, I don't care about the technical details, just show me which one's the best. Yeah. I'm sure that can be a hard question to answer. And it's easier to answer that now than there was, say, even two years ago, because there's more, there's more information available and it's quality information. Each of our uh, issues has lots of resources in it. So, for example, there are now directories out there of rated enterprise software, and it will actually tell you how mature is the project, 
Um, how easy is it to get support for this piece of software? What If you want to integrate changes back into the project, how approachable is the core uh, of the development team? So there's much more information out there than there was even a few years ago. Great. Well, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? Uh, no, I think that was it. All right. Well, thanks again for coming back on the show, and it was great speaking with you. Okay. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to leave comments on the website, reach the show archives. You can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 129.